Here we go. 1 Samuel chapter 16. We're going to start in verse 1. We're going to read a little bit, skip a little bit, read a little bit more. All right? Here we go. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king amongst his, his sons. Verse 4 says, And Samuel did what the Lord had commanded and came to Bethlehem. At the end of verse 5 it says, And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. Verse 6 says, When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse had Shema pass by and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel looked at Jesse and said, are these all your sons? And Jesse said, there remains yet the, the youngest, the youngest, but behold, he is, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. And he sent and he brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was, and was handsome. And the Lord said, arise and anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. <laughs> Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit that rushes upon us. And I pray today, Lord, that you would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we can know you better. Lord, I pray that by the end of today, Lord, we would look a little bit more like you, Jesus. That, Lord, we would take another step closer to you, Jesus. That, Lord, we would let you sanctify us and consecrate us. Only unto you today, I pray. Lord, I pray that, that your anointing would be here. That your anointing would be here because it's your anointing that breaks the yoke. And so I pray for your anointing. And Lord, I pray I would decrease so that your spirit would increase, so that your anointing would increase, and that your word would go forth sharper than any two-edged sword, that it would divide bone from marrow and spirit from soul, that God, it would reprove us and cut whatever is on us that isn't of you, that it would cut it off. I pray that right now. By your word, God, I pray. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. Before you're seated. High five three people. Tell them this. Don't overlook God's outlook. Don't overlook God's outlook. Don't overlook God's outlook. Come on, if you're good, shout, I'm good. Amen. Well, man, I know I'm good because it is so good to be home. I had someone ask me, are you really the pastor of Community Worship Center? <laughs> I guess I am, unfortunately for them. Hallelujah, but... No, it's so good to be home. And, and look, man, we had an amazing time, my wife and I. We and, and our family actually got to go to Hampton, Virginia with Mike and Anna Dow and the entire Burning Ones team and, and got to, to minister alongside them. And, and I'm telling you, it was a powerful and profound way. God showed up in transformative ways that, that we can never be the same from after the way God 
poured his presence out there. And it was super refreshing and super good. And then last week, we actually had the, the distinct privilege and honor to go up to Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano and, and get to celebrate with him 20 years of pastoring the same church. That's incredible. And we found it to be such a privilege to be able to be there with him and just to be able to share and, and just talk about how he has impacted our lives uh, by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And 20 years is an amazing feat, man. I was, somebody asked me the other day, how long have you been pastoring? How long have you been pastoring? Uh, how, how you been pastoring? And I said, oh, going on eight years. And they thought that was an accomplishment. They were like, well, did you know that the average pastor now is only four years? That's the average. And then they either move on or they retire or, or whatever the case may be. So, but 20 years is such an amazing, amazing time. And it was good to be there. But can I tell you, it's so much better to be home. Praise the Lord. Like, we do. We miss you guys, man, when we're gone. We really do. It's like a part of us isn't there. Like our week isn't, isn't full with, without spending it with you guys. And so we love being here. But look, so now that we took a lot of time at the beginning of the service to, to do great and amazing things, but we only, have a, we only got a short time to get through the ground that we, we have to cover today. And so and we're going to hop right into this thing. Is that okay? You guys okay? And uh, let's see what the Lord has for us in this text today. I really feel like I got a word from, from God. And what we're going to do is actually we're going to go verse by verse analysis, right? That's what we're going to do. Exegesis the passage. And look, if you were here Wednesday night, right, if you've been a part of the night of one, right, which we are, 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 are hosting them because, man, we want unity within the body, right? That's, that's what we want. And, and if you were here on Wednesday, you would know what I'm talking about with the verse-by-verse -verse method because <laughs> I actually taught about that that's one of the methods that we use in order to dig deeper into God's word, right? And this is what we're doing on Wednesday night. We're studying the Bible together as one body with one vision on one mission to serve one God. And that's what the point is on Wednesday night. So if you, you haven't been there, we invite you. Come out, all right? Join us and uh, study the Bible with us. But what we're going to do is we're going to go verse by verse. Are you guys ready for that? Yes. If you're ready, say I'm ready. Yes. Okay, here we go. It says this. The Lord said to Samuel, can you pull this up for me? The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king amongst his sons. So here God, he is rejecting the current king. This is what's happening. He's, he's actually rejecting the current establishment. He's, he's rejecting the status quo. He's, he's rejecting how, how things are being done amongst his people. He's saying enough, enough with that. Actually, Pastor John, a couple weeks ago, launched this series off, right? The scene off, talking about Samuel and Saul, right? And how Saul was disobedient to God, which caused God then to reject him as, as king and anoint another one in his, his place. And so this is what's happening here in 1 Samuel 16. And see, you, you gotta realize Samuel is the prophet, which is why the scene is called prophet, Prophets and Kings. We're, we're gonna pair these things up with Prophets and Kings because every king had a prophet that was there to, to speak in his life. And, and so that's why we called it Prophets and Kings. And Samuel is the prophet right here in this, in this text. And, and God says to him, he says, quit moping around, Samuel. How much longer are you gonna throw a temper tantrum? Like, how much longer are you going to do that? He said, no, 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 do what I've commanded you to do. How many know that God just wants you to do what he tells you to do? For real. I'm um, like that with my kids. Kids, don't ask me why. Just do what I know. I'm just kidding. God's not like that. But, but he wants us to do what he's commanded us to do, whether we're frustrated by it, and sometimes we are. Sometimes we don't get it, but we need to, to have faith that, 
since he said it, we need to do it. And this is what he's telling Samuel. He's saying, go, go to Bethlehem, go there and, and anoint the one that I have, have raised up on my behalf, which is actually a foreshadowing of the Christ. So you've got to catch this in scripture. This is a, this is a foreshadowing of the Christ. And, and how many know that Jesus is the Christ? Did you know it's not Jesus Christ? It's not his last name. It's not like Keith Dio or Jim Bob Shawley. Like, it's not Larry Evans, right? It's, it's not R. Dean Latchford. It's, it's not Jesus Christ. It's Jesus the Christ, meaning Jesus, the anointed one of God, the appointed one of God. That's, that's who Jesus is. He always will be the anointed one from, from God. And, and where was Jesus born? Bethlehem. And what is Jesus? He's the He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And, and so here we have in 1 Samuel chapter 16, a thousand BC, a thousand years before Christ was, was ever born, a foreshadowing of the Christ. Here God's word gives mention to the Christ to prepare the way for the Christ. That's what he's doing in, in 1 Samuel chapter 16. A thousand BC prophesying of how the anointed one is going to come, where he's going to come from in the in the city of Bethlehem, he'll be a, a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And he'll be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. This is the scripture foretelling us about where the, the king is, is going to come from. For, forewarning us about the uh, anointed one. And, and you have to catch that, how the gospel is woven throughout the entire, the entire Bible. This is telling us of the saga of salvation, which is our year-long series. How many remember? We're in a year-long series, saga of salvation. Seeing where Jesus is all through the scriptures. And we see it here in 1 Samuel chapter 16, when God says, go to, to Bethlehem and anoint the king. Even though this king isn't the one true king. He's not the one true king. However, we'll learn later on in this scene how he is the king that, that the one true king will come from. It's going to be through his, his lineage. Are, are you with me so far? Are you, are you guys following me? Amen. And so God says to, to Samuel, right? He says, hey, stop whining and fill your, fill your horn with, with oil. In other words, God is saying this. Stop your complaining. And I want you to take my anointing and anoint the one that I have chosen. Because see, you, you have to realize that, that the oil represents the anointing. <laughs> the oil is representing the anointing. Take, take my anointing and go anoint the one that I have, have chosen. In the book of Exodus, it says it this way, that the oil, whatever it touches, it separates it and consecrates it unto God. Anything. As a matter of fact, God tells, tells Moses, take the oil and anoint everything. Anoint the rooms, anoint the stuff, anoint it all. Because whatever the oil touches, it's consecrated unto me. Because the oil represents the anointing of God. It represents the spirit of God. And it represents the power of God. How many of you know that the anointing is powerful? God's anointing is, is powerful. And that's why the book of James says it this way. It says, if anyone is sick among you, call the elders together of the church. Have them come forth, anointing them with oil. Anoint them with my anointing. Pray for them so that they may be healed. Mark chapter 6, Jesus says it like this. It says that, that as many who came to him who were sick and diseased, the disciples and Jesus anointed them with oil, prayed for them, and they were made well. 
instantly made well. It says that all who were demon-possessed came to Jesus and the disciples. They anointed them with oil, prayed for them, and they were set free because, because the, the anointing, the oil represents the anointing, and the anointing of God is so powerful. It is so powerful. And we have to have his anointing. And here in 1 Samuel, right, God says, Samuel, take, take my oil, take my anointing, and anoint the one that I'm going to show you so that he can do powerful things for me and my people. We have to have the anointing. And did you know there is no substitute for the anointing? There, there is no, no substitute for it. In the present day church, we try to substitute for the anointing. We try to use productions. We try to use programs, right, to draw people. We, we, we try to use all kinds of different things, lights, cameras, and actions. And, and we think that we can substitute God's anointing. But see, it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. It's the anointing that changes lives. It's the anointing that actually draws people to Christ. It's, it's the anointing that takes people from lost to found. It's the anointing that heals the sick. It's, it's the anointing that breaks the chains of, of addiction. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. We have to have the, the anointing because it's the anointing that restores broken marriages. We've seen so many marriages that were broken come and the anointing of God fall on them and restore their marriage to, to completely whole. This was a last ditch effort before they got divorced. Let's just try this too. We've tried everything, let's, let's just try it. And the anointing of God come on them and restored their, their marriage. It's, our, it's the anointing of God that protects our children. Did you, did you know that? There's no substitute for his anointing. Matter of fact, it says this, God says, don't mess with my anointed. Doesn't say don't mess with those who do ministry in my name. Doesn't say don't, don't mess with those who, who pastor a church or, or who go to church. No, no, don't mess with my anointed. It's the anointing that protects. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. And I don't know about anyone else, but man, I want power, not programs. I want the power of God, not a great program. Man, I want miracles, not just morals. Man, I want the Holy Spirit to permeate our lives to fill this place till it's pouring out in the streets. I want the Holy Spirit, not just a holistic approach to life. Not just holistic approach, the Holy Spirit, because it's the anointing that breaks the yoke, church. It'll break the yoke of fear and depression every time. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke of sin and shame. It's, it's the anointing that brings about the power of God. It is his anointing. And in 1 John chapter 6, this is what it says. It says, the anointing gives us unction unto the Holy Spirit. Gives us an unction. In other words, it's the, it's the anointing that springs us into action. It's the anointing that shows us to do what the Spirit is, is doing. It, Paul says it like this. It quickens even my mortal body. Saying this, that the anointing will cause you to do things outside of your own abilities. That you couldn't do without it. That it has to be the anointing. It's, it's the anointing that does this. It's the anointing that takes a drug addict and makes him a pastor. 
It's the anointing who has a broken past and now all of a sudden the future is made whole. It's, it's the anointing that takes a murderer and makes him a disciple. It's the anointing that takes a promiscuous woman and makes her the purest of women. This is what the anointing does and there's no substitute for him. And what you have to realize is, is the oil represents the anointing and the anointing is his spirit. That's why there is absolutely no substitute for it. And we, we cannot overlook God's outlook. Come on, touch your neighbor. Tell him. Say, don't overlook God's outlook. Tell him. Don't overlook God's outlook. We have to have his, his anointing. And I'm going to say this about 1,055 times today just to get it in your mind so that you start seeking God for the anointing. So you, you start searching the scriptures for the anointing because it's the anointing that gives us, us power. And you know what I find to be, to, to be so true? I find this to be so true, is that the more mature we get, the less we think we need to depend on the anointing. So true. Because after all, right, we, we, we've seen some things. We've, we've done some things. Right? We know what to do, so we'll just do what we've always, we, we've always done. And so, you know, I'm more mature now. And so I come into church, and we grab the Bible, and we do a little reading. Because we know we, know we should read, so, so, so we read. And then we'll grab an instrument and we'll start playing and then everybody will start singing. Because we know what to do. And this machine just keeps on trucking, keeps on rolling. And we're thinking that we've got this thing figured out, forgetting how much we need his anointing. Julie and I were just talking about this the other day how when we first started pastoring, we didn't know nothing. <laughs> Absolutely knew nothing at all. Couldn't preach to save my life. I'm not sure I can do any much better now. However, I act like I can anyway. But we didn't know anything. We knew nothing. No one taught us anything. The only thing we knew to do was to get on our knees and, and be praying. The only thing we knew to do was get on our face and start worshiping. The only thing we knew, knew to do was to, to go after Jesus in the area of fasting. All we did was rely on the anointing. Every step, every board meeting, every meeting with anybody, all we did was seek God's anointing to be able to, to deal with it. Because we were so green, man. We were so young. <laughs> we were so young. And we didn't know anything. So the only thing we did was go after the anointing. But man, now we've done this thing for a while. We've been in this for a little bit. They would consider us a professional now. After seven years, you're considered a professional. Not sure what that means, really, but it means you know some things. So we've known some things. We, we've seen some things, and we've done some things. And, and because of what we know to do, we just keep doing what we've, we've always done. And I'm not kidding you, man. God convicted us so badly. That we had, to, we had to hit our face and start repenting. Father, forgive us. Forgive us for forgetting. Take us back to the beginning where all we did was seek out your anointing. How we were so hungry just to be used by you, God, and to be touched by you and to do exactly what you were telling us to do. This is the, the anointing. And we had, to, we had to repent because we have to have his, his anointing, church. Without it, we're just a gathering of people. We're just a social club, man. And I got no interest in social clubs. None. I'm not saying it's bad to be in one. I'm just saying I have no interest in them. But if without the anointing, we're just, we're just people meeting with, 
with nice things on our minds. We need the anointing and not just a little bit, by the way. Not just a little bit of the anointing. We need to be saturated in his anointing. Did did you know when Moses, when he anointed Aaron to be the priest, Psalms chapter 133 says it this way, that Aaron, that, that, that Moses took the oil and he dumped it on Aaron's head and it ran down his face and through his beard and onto his outer garments. Aaron was saturated in the anointing. Wasn't just, just a little bit. And, and I started to, to think about that. I started to think about how the oil represents the, the anointing and the anointing is the Holy Spirit. And I started to think about nowadays as a church, what we do with the oil now, right? Like, we'll unscrew the cap and you know, we'll, we'll take it and we'll do like this and we'll just dab it on your forehead. Now, if we're feeling really spiritual that day, we may do this three times because three represents the Trinity. So we're like, yeah, we're real spiritual, like three, three times. And then we'll even come up and give you a nice little cross on your forehead because we're really spiritual that day. We're really going after God. We're believing in the anointing that day. And I started to think about how we just, we just dab it. We just dab the oil. And I wonder if that's indicative of the way we ask for the anointing. I don't know. I wonder if we, if we say to God, I just want a little bit. I just want a little bit of the anointing. Because let me tell you something. When the anointing comes on you, it will overwhelm you. He will overwhelm you. And it's, it's not always pretty. It's not always proper. And it's not always popular. And the reason it isn't is because we can't fully control it. Because we don't know how he's going to come on us when the anointing hits. We've got no clue. And so instead of dealing with that uncomfortableness of it, God, just give me a little bit. I just, just dab it on me. Just dab on me, God. Like, I couldn't help myself. Just dab, yeah. Like, <laughs> terrible joke. But just a little bit, God, because I want the anointing to make me feel better. I'm feeling depressed, and I want to feel happy, so I'm going to come into church and ask for the anointing to make me feel better. I'm feeling anxious and I really just want some peace in my life. You know, I got all this stuff happening back here. I'm not sure what to do with the next step of life. And, and I need just a little bit of the anointing just to make me, just to make me feel better. I'm arguing with my wife at home and, and we're not getting along at all. And, and, and man, I just want to get along with my wife. And so God, just send your anointing just a little bit, just so we feel better. Come into church and we're like, God, I feel, meh. You ever had them days where you're like, hmm. Look at your neighbors, say, hmm, hmm. You're really not bad, but you're really not good. You're just, eh. like, God, I feel, eh. and I'd like to feel like, yeah. You know, like, yeah, I feel, eh, but I want to feel, yeah. Now, I don't want to feel, yeah, and be jumping around like crazy people in here. I don't want that. That's too much. I just want, yeah. So, God, give me just a dab of the anointing, just a little bit. So, we're okay with the anointing as long as the anointing is there to make us feel better. But if it's going to convict us, hmm, no, I'm, I'm good. Because if it convicts us, that requires us to change. And eh, I kind of like the way I'm living right now. I, I kind of like it. right? I, but I do like the anointing. I do because I like the goosebumps. Right? I like the goosebumps. I like when my hair stands up on my head and my heart starts fluttering and, and pattering in my chest. I like that. So, so God send that. But, but if, but if, it's going to convict my heart concerning sin. That's too much. I told you I just wanted to dab. I just wanted to dab because I kind of like living with one foot in and one foot out. 
I mean, I kind of like looking at pornography. I mean, I kind of like having sex with my boyfriend and my girlfriend. I kind of like that. And so God, I don't want to be convicted concerning that. And so, so just give me enough to make me feel better. Just enough of the anointing, just a little bit. But here's the problem with that. The anointing is not meant to make you feel better. The anointing will make you feel better? Sure. It's a byproduct. But boy, the anointing is meant to transform you. To take you from glory to glory and faith to faith. Not to just make you get goosebumps in church. Not to just make a couple tears fall down your face. No, no, no. Literally take once what was dead and make it alive. Once that was lost and now found. Once that, that I was blind, but now I see. This is the anointing. And it's, and it's powerful. And, and God wants to saturate his people. He says in Joel, he tells the prophet Joel, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. I will anoint my people and I will saturate them and I will fill them until they're overflowing so that I can change them and transform them so I can use them to transform the world they've been set in. This is the anointing. He, he, wants, to, he wants to saturate you. He wants to fill you because it's, it's an, his anointing that breaks the yoke. And we need the anointing. It's the anointing of God that breaks the chain of religion. Which is really important, by the way. Because the spirit of religion will birth pride. That's what religion does. It brings pride. Because it's like, oh, I can do this thing. Right? That's what religion does. Religion's acts of, of service. And so now we've stepped out of understanding that it's only by grace we've been saved. And thank God for his grace on my life. And I kind of deserve what I'm getting. Like, like, like religious people will literally think this. They'll think that, man, it's a good thing I'm in this church. Because, boy, I brought a completion to it. Boy, God's lucky to have me here because that work was incomplete until I got here. And now, whoo, boy, they're good now. This is what the spirit of religion does. And the anointing breaks that off of us. Because here's what scripture says. It says that God completes the work he has started. Not you and not me. It's not us. God is complete in and of himself. He's good all by himself. But yet the spirit of religion causes us to think like, ah, God put me here because he needs me to do this. God doesn't need me. God desires me. God wants me. But God's going to finish his work whether I'm in it or not. And the anointing comes on us. And all of a sudden, we understand it. We're like, oh, yeah. He is so much bigger. So much beautiful. He is so powerful. This is what the anointing does. And, and here in 1 Samuel chapter 16, Samuel is uh, about to go and saturate the next king with God's anointed. Because he's wanting to break them free from status quo. Break them free from the, the current establishment. He's, a, he's about to do a new thing and the anointing makes way for the new thing. This is what's happening in 1 Samuel. Can you pull up the next text for me please? So Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him with fear and trembling. Do you know? Did you come peaceably? And he said peaceably. Actually, they put these in there and I wasn't supposed to have that in there. Praise the Lord. But anyway, we'll read it anyway. Peaceably I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons. 
and invited them to the sacrifice. How many of you know this, that consecrating yourself to God is a necessity if you want the anointing? You have to consecrate yourself only unto him, meaning repent of where you are or what you've done so that God can fill you with who he is. Amen. Amen. He consecrated them and invited them. And it goes on, it says, and when they came, the brothers and Jesse, when they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his, of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the, on the heart. Touch your neighbor say, don't overlook what God's outlook. Don't overlook God's outlook. Come on, tell him. God says, it's not about the outward appearance, which by the way, for single people, good word. Take this word, chew on this word, store it up in your heart. Looks aren't everything. Amen. Appearance isn't everything. Appearance is some things. It's some things. I'd be lying to say it isn't anything. Like, it's some things. You need to be attracted to the person you feel like you're going to marry. Praise the Lord. Like, but it's not everything. And so don't be going after just looks. Ladies, don't go after him because he's got a six pack. All right? Like, forget it. <laughs> Boys, don't chase the women with high cheekbones. Like, if she don't love Jesus, leave her in the past. Do you know what I mean? Like, leave her in the dust. If we've got to beg people to come to church, find someone that loves coming to church and loves God. Amen. Amen. This is what it's, it's telling us. Appearance isn't, isn't everything. We go after people who love Jesus, who have a heart for, for Jesus. We, we don't overlook God's outlook. This is how God, God sees. But, but in this passage, what I find to be wild is Samuel. The prophet, the man of God, who is sent there to speak on God's behalf, to deliver God's message to his people, he missed it. This tells me that it's, it's easy at times to miss it. This is why it's so important to keep pressing in to the anointing. But, 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 but he misses what God is saying. He misses what God is, is doing. He's, he's overlooking God's outlook. Because it's only God that judges the hearts of men and women. Only God. We look at people at how they, how they look. We listen to people on how they, how they sound. We, we see people how they're gifted. But, but God looks, looks at the heart. And God's outlook is this. His eyes are roaming to and fro across the entire earth, searching for hearts that are truly his, that are fully his. This is his outlook. And when he finds that type of a heart, he anoints that heart with his spirit. He anoints them and he fills them. And that person is anointed, not for them, but to be used by him to transform and transfigure the community they're in. Their, their workplace. They're, they're there to make a difference for him. The anointing God gives, raises us up to sets us to do work for him. And see what's interesting here, right, is Samuel he comes into this thing, the man of God, the prophet of God, comes into this situation that God told him to go into, right? He walks into it, and he's looking for a king. That's why when he seen Eliab, he was like, yeah, yeah, this dude's brody. You know what I mean? Like, boom, stacked, big, tall, handsome. This has to be God's anointed. He walked in looking for a king, and God was looking for a heart to make king. 
God's searching every one of our hearts. Every single one of our hearts. So he can anoint the heart that is truly his. He goes on to say, to say this. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass by before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And then Shammah passed by and neither this one either. God hasn't chosen him either. And he goes on and says, and Jesse made seven of his sons pass by Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Are you sure these are all your sons? Because I know God sent me here on a mission to anoint the king. I, I know he did. I heard him. I I'm sure of it. Are you sure these are all your sons? And Jesse, I can almost see it in his, in his face and in the tone in which you read the text. He's like, mm, I don't know. Well, yeah, but, but he's a pimply-faced teenager. And he does some weird stuff, man. This dude, he's like, he's out in the fields with the goats and writing songs and picking on his, on his, on his harp. And he's, he's out there, I don't know what he's doing. We, actually, we sit him out there to get him away from us. He, he weirds us out. He's always singing something. I don't know what's going on. Samuel says, oh, go get him. Run and get him. And we're not moving. We're not eating. We're not sitting. We're not doing anything until he gets here. And when he walks in, God says, it's he. Arise and anoint him with my anointing. Then Samuel, he took the horn of oil. He took the anointing and anointed David in the midst of his his brothers and the spirit of the Lord the oil represents the anointing and the anointing is the spirit of God and the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward everyone overlooked David everyone everyone overlooked him his mom his dad brothers everyone overlooked him they overlooked him to the point of not even inviting him and to be with him and maybe today you're here and there's been people that's overlooked you your whole life. Just overlooked you, mom, dad, aunts, uncles, brothers, sisters. They've overlooked you. Even your boss at work just keeps overlooking you even though you're the one doing all the harder work. Someone else is getting the accolades for it. You're not getting it. You're, you're being overlooked. And when that starts to happen enough times, man, you, you start to think that you're forgotten. See, God says... He doesn't overlook not one. He doesn't overlook anyone. And he hasn't forgotten about you. People may have overlooked you. But God says, I've got great plans for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. To give you a hope and a future. Plans to anoint you and to fill you from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. This is God's outlook. God says, I, I want to anoint you with my anointing, but it takes you getting alone with him. It's in the secret place where you receive your anointing. It's not on the platform. That's not in front of people. It's when you're all by yourself. See, David was the little shepherd boy out in the field all alone, no one around, no one to see what he was doing. He was out there wrestling lions and tigers and bears, oh my, and singing to God, worshiping God all by himself with no one around. And Jesus says this, he says, whatever you do in secret, I will reward you openly. We have to have the anointing. And in order to receive the anointing, 
We have to be in our prayer closets. We have to be on our face worshiping Jesus. When it's just me and Jesus, without Brent, without CWC worship, with, without any of that, I'm on my face getting into the presence of God. This is where the anointing comes. Jesus says it this way. He says, don't be like the Pharisees that stand on the street corners with their hands lifted high, praying out loud for, for everyone to see, to receive praise from men. I tell you, they've already received their reward. Instead, do it in secret and your father who is in secret will reward you in the open with his anointing. This is what it says. If we wanna walk in his anointing and we need his anointing to continue to walk, we have to get alone with him. Seek him in the quiet place. Come on and stand to your feet. This is God's outlook. This is what God is looking for. He's looking for a heart that will, that will do this all by themselves. God, he never overlooked David because David was a man after his own heart. He was a man after his own heart. He didn't care about praise of men. He didn't care to be seen by people. He would rather sit out in the fields with the sheep and the goats and worship God all by himself than be there with his brothers wrestling and hunting and doing whatever else they did. I'm content, Lord, just to worship you, just to be with you. And God will never overlook someone with his outlook. He just won't do it. Church, we... We have to be hungry for his anointing. We have to be filled with his spirit so that we can operate in his power. This world is, is dark, troubled. And without his power, without his anointing, we won't be able to do anything in it. We've got to be saturated in his anointing. We have to stop trying to find substitutes for it. Like, oh, well, we'll sing a different song and maybe that will help. We'll preach a different style of message. Maybe, maybe, that'll, maybe that'll do it. These are substitutes to the real thing. His anointing is what breaks the yoke. We have to consecrate ourselves only unto him. We gotta start getting alone with Jesus and going after Jesus with everything that is within us. God has great, great works in store. Scripture says that before the foundations of the world was formed, he formed you to do great works. Jesus says it this way, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do and even greater works than these will he do because he or she is anointed by me. My spirit is, has captured them and overtaken them and has saturated them. His anointing, his anointing is going to save your unsaved loved ones. His anointing is going to transform your workplace. It's his anointing. We've got to stop playing and start praying. We, 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 have to, we have to stop playing and start praising. We have to stop playing and start getting into God's word and really going after him. Not to just make us feel better. We want his anointing to transform us from glory to to glory and faith to faith. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, I lift up each and every person within the sound of my voice. And Lord, I pray that they would start to receive this revelation of how, how much they need your anointing and how they, 
how they can receive your anointing by simply going after you in the quiet place. Lord, I pray right now that you would cause a hunger to stir in each and every one of us for your presence. A hunger would stir for your righteousness. A hunger would stir, God, for your anointing. I pray that right now. Lord, I thank you for each and every heart that's here. And I pray you would change our hearts. God, convict our hearts. Strengthen us to to live and move solely in you, I pray. Lord, I speak a blessing over your people this week. I, I pray you would protect them and go with them. Let them know that you are for them and not against them. That they can do all things through Christ who strengthens them. And I thank you for that today, Lord. Bless them in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen.